This is the St. Luligan Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Show Up, Make Noise. My name is Zach. I'm Rick. And I am Sam. And uh, we are talking to you all things St. Louis support, uh, supporter section, supporter culture, um, all of those types of things. So um, we are going to start off this week uh, talking a little bit about um, what we talked about last week and kind of rounding up some uh, thoughts that we had coming from last week. So last week we talked about um, two different things. One was the um supporters away supporters bill of rights and the other one was the shalala um chant so boys uh which direction we want to go with this we want to talk bill of rights we want to talk shalala first uh, let's get into the chant i uh, i think it's probably going to be the uh the easiest one to kick off right on so uh pulling up our chant or shalala chant results uh we had uh a Pretty good split, actually. We had 53 responds, uh, responses, responders, uh, and the 43% of us said that the 70th minute tribute would be uh, what they would like to see. Uh, 35% got retired altogether. Um, only 3.8% wanted to see it as a regular chant rotation and keeping it as a victory chant. Got a surprising 17%, which I was, uh, was kind of surprised with. And I, honestly, I was kind of surprised that both retire it all together and keep it as a victory chant were both as high as they were. Uh, anything surprise you about uh, those results guys? No, I, uh, I think it landed right about where I expected it to. I, I was also surprised the amount of people who wanted to leave it as the victory uh, chant. Uh, I think it's a good idea. You know, like I said, it's a really easy chant. It's really fun. It builds really well. I just, uh, from a victory standpoint, you know, I, I don't really see it being as iconic for City as it was for, you know, St. Louis FC. Uh, but I really liked some of the reasoning and the thought behind the 70th minute. You know, I, I that's the direction I would want to go. You know, I, I think we need a staple. A lot of, you know, big groups and, and clubs have, you know, that second half chant. And I think it's it's perfect for it. So. Rick, how do you feel? And then we'll get into a little bit about what our uh, our supporters said. Uh, I think the proportions are about exactly what I might have expected. You know, uh, biggest surprise was just kind of the response volume. Uh, I, seeing how many people still felt how strongly they did or even had enough like to voice an opinion, I think was really cool for uh, the role that song played and what role it might be playing going forward. I honestly can't remember how I voted. I was definitely on the um, the 70th minute tribute train. I don't want to lose that chant. I, there's something, and I think that's maybe just me selfishly not wanting to give up that little bit of St. Louis FC. Um, but yeah, I think that I was very strongly uh, hoping that, you know, the, the bigger consensus that we would keep it as a tribute. Yeah, and, uh, you know, one of our early comments too was, uh, you know, a guy who was fairly new to the St. Louis soccer scene and went back and, and watched the, like the clips of that chant and, and really thought about it and, and also landed on like, it'd be a really cool 70th minute. So, uh, you know, some of that outside perspective and it's very easy to get a group 
to build on that chance. I, I think 70th, you know, golden image, that's where I would put this chant. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. Um, so we did have a couple people responded, uh, what the pint on um, Twitter put some hard thought into it, which I'm a big fan of. Um, but uh, he was, uh, or they were, um, for uh, retiring it. Uh, they said it was selfish. Uh, in fact, heavily leaning uh, to the side of retiring it, uh, the good compromise to bring it out only for open cup games, even use it to open the second half, make it a nod to our history uh, in the historic tournament. So um, this idea was just to keep it for specific games or historic games things that maybe would tie back to st louis fc versus you know just any game so um, another interesting way to go with it uh, yeah i i see where he's coming from on that one uh, you know and i like it a lot of the the chance we have and, and kind of the as we grew there's a number of chants that have been you know a nod to what the Luligans looked like or what the St. Louis soccer scene was at the time, you know, some chants that were born just for the lions, yeah. you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like there's always a, a weird niche for like a hyper specific role on a chant like that. Uh, and it, it risks losing that niche status when somebody who maybe uh, comes in new to the group and doesn't know or hasn't figured out what that history is yet. And, accidentally expands it and it becomes more of a general thing anyway despite its original purpose and i mean but that's you know the natural growth of anything you know we can yeah. we can have it as what we want it to be but at a certain point if we're not the ones leading or you know if if eventually down the road it changes you know that's that's just the natural progression of of anything i think so that's a I don't know. Um, so then moving on to Mike Eaton, who has jumped in on a, a bunch of our uh, uh, stuff this week, uh, said, love the 70th minute tribute idea. The chant is authentic, fun, and uniquely ours. Uh, a nod to history, a chance to forever tell our story. I'm imagining someday my grandkids asking what the chant means and generations passing that on from St. Louis FC. So, you know, that's kind of the, the idyllic, uh, you know, storybook yeah. ending where we all kind of, you know, huddle and sing Kumbaya and remember the good old days, um, whether or not that's the reality of, you know, any of our lives. I will not be having grandchildren. So uh, maybe I could tell Sam's grandkids uh, about that, um, but I don't think it's going to be mine. So yeah, we can tell them all about it on uh would bring your dog to the park <laughs> yeah absolutely I, I love that and then we did have one more comment uh but i ended up blocking that person so we won't end up coming back around to it so mystery um, and intrigue <laughs> anybody who's paid attention to twitter in the last week knows exactly uh what we're talking about um but yeah that that person thought that the self-entitled people who started a podcast didn't deserve to have an opinion so uh, and that's fine everybody deserves their opinion and i hope that person happy so anywho um moving on to part you both just simultaneously took a shot at somebody and ended with i just hope both sides have fun oh no i hope they're happy i don't there's no shot i don't <laughs> i literally don't give a shit that's that's the beauty of it is that uh, i don't care at all so um but then we also talked about um the away supporters bill of rights so we just kind of touched on this at the end of the last episode so we were hoping to get some uh feedback and conversation started with that um, 
again, our uh, friend Mike Eaton jumped in. Uh, absolutely, away support is good for the league. It enhances the game day experience for everybody. Beyond that, City's vision of being for St. Louis has to include making it attractive for people to come here, stay here, spend here, and have a good time here. So, um, absolutely, I feel like the away supporters' bill of rights makes it easier for supporters to want to go to those places. Um, and that's something that Dan, um, our buddy Dan, uh, Dan Baba Yaga on uh, uh, Twitter, but it's Dan Doak on, uh, in real life, um, said, uh, absolutely, uh, but who sets the standard? MLS, U.S. soccer. Uh, I mentioned this because the experience in Atlanta for the Open Cup, uh, fucking us around with drums, flags, uh, et cetera, et cetera, telling us one thing, and then two hours before arrival, changing the tune uh, and the whole experience. I know these are different events, MLS versus U.S. Open Cup, but there still seems to be there should be a standard for both. And I think that was really where I kind of went with it on that original thought of the um, – away supporters bill of rights because i remember a couple trips where we were told one thing and then we got Mm -hmm. there and all of a sudden no you can't bring drums in or you know you you can do this you can do that or we're going to stick you here um and it it doesn't make it conducive for those people who did come in did buy hotel rooms or airbnbs and have been out and spending money all over town it's it's really kind of a slap in the face and i understand they're not your fans but you know, they're trying to make the atmosphere better in the stadium and, and support their team. So, um, you know, just being a dick to them because they're away fans. Yeah, no, absolutely. Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I, uh, you know, the the two big ones that jump out, and I, I would say, I mean, maybe five road games that we had decent travel that we were able to just, you know, walk on as if it were a home match. <clears throat> Sorry. Um the first two seasons uh, opening against Louisville in Louisville, uh, you know, I mean, we had to jump through hoops to get those drums into the stadium, but what we were told leading up to it and what happened were exactly the same. And so what we had was, you know, our uh, three drums first year, five drums second year, and then the Coopers had all of theirs and, and everything that came that second year. And those were killer atmospheres like on on both sides you know the the lc uh supporters groups you know they were all about it they upped their game because they knew we were there and you know we're on the road so we went as hard as we could uh the other one you know the couple trips to kansas city were the same way i mean uh we were like this close just a fraction of, of not being able to get drums into uh mercy park at the time for that uh uh, SKC two game because we didn't have the full like requirement of it. Like they couldn't check the entirety of the inside of the drums because we have these, you know, they're bolted down, uh, you know, and, and if we hadn't like just talked him into just sticking his eye through the, <laughs> through the little stick hole and calling it good enough, you know, those drums wouldn't have been able to come to that game. You know, but just a day or two <laughs> notice and we would have been able to accommodate that, you know. Uh, and those were other games where, you know, we had our drums, the supporters for Kansas City had theirs and we were able to, you know, duke it out in the stands while the players were duking it out on the field. And again, huge killer game day atmosphere. Yeah, I think, I mean, selfishly, I always want to be able to bring our full accoutrement because it's easier to get your fans doing 
the same thing at the same time Mm -hmm. with a drum. Just even one drum gives you so much ability to get people on the same beat and moving, you know, um, doing it. It's, it's possible to do with just voices, but you know, if you don't have a megaphone, if you don't have drums, um, it does get significantly harder. And I think like you were saying, those games where we have that atmosphere, it's always so much better, especially if you can put, you know, us and and someone else on opposite sides of a field and, and just kind of let us go at it. Um, so that's what I have for those two things. Did you, either of you guys see anything else that I'm missing there from those conversations? No, we had a couple other, uh, people echoing the, uh, what we can and can't bring, you know, instead of letting each stadium police what they can or can't, uh, you know, just a, a unified agreeable amount. Uh, you know, one of our drum corps, like staples, Jim, uh, he also echoed the Atlanta game, you know, and uh, you're playing at, uh, it was at Kennesaw, uh, yeah, Kennesaw State, uh, you know, which is not exactly right next to the parking lot. You know, if you've been down there, it's a bit of a hike. There's a lot of stairs. Get all the way to the front gate and then be told, hey, just kidding. You can't bring those in. You had you had weeks to tell us we couldn't bring these in. Uh, so there's just a lot of people echoing, you know, just wanting to be able to know where the line is and, and have a degree of consistency to it. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think what we have to do as like organized independent collective supporters groups is figure out what our our intent is and declare that to the league. Because if we sit around and wait for Major League Soccer or U.S. Soccer or even uh, a lower league like USL or maybe even one of the indoor leagues to start establishing a standard it's probably going to be kind of garbage. Mm. It, it's going to be a profit-driven motive as opposed to fans standing up for what fans are willing to travel for. That's part of the big environment for soccer. So it sounds like your answer to Dan's question then is that you think it's an ISC problem. You think it's an inter- independent supporters council type of thing where you think that's maybe where we're going to get the traction? Uh, I think the groundswell is going to be a much more effective mm-hmm. thing than waiting for it to come down from the top. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that makes sense. I mean, uh, who's the most motivated group to introduce something like this? It would be the supporters groups. I don't think MLS is going to give a shit one way or the other. Yeah. You know, unless it's a, we agree that you can bring in smoke, but it's got to be this brand of smoke. Yeah. I, I think MLS wants to do whatever will make MLS the most money. So that is always going to be MLS's choice. I think this is good for MLS um, because I feel like getting good traveling support would also bolster home support. You know, you don't want your team to get embarrassed uh, at home. And if the other team can't bring anything, it doesn't make you show up and get loud. But if you know somebody comes in and embarrasses you in your house one week, um, you know, that, that gives you a reason to show up and make noise. It would only take once for a, a traveling group to come into St. Louis and embarrass us. It will be, it would be the first last and only time that happens. I guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah. We do not. Uh, I know from ta- hearing blues fans talk about when Chicago fans come down to, mm-hmm. uh, to blues games, they don't like being shown up in their own house. So. No, they get louder. Yeah. Yeah. So I like it. I like, I like that idea. And, uh, I don't know how Matt Baker's our independent supporter council guy. So I was just thinking that yeah, civic so. pettiness is a St. Louis tradition. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Matt Baker, uh, I'll, I'll send Soccer you a message. Material right there. 
I love it. Uh, but yeah, we need to talk to Matt Baker, see if he can figure out how to uh, yeah, and start I an know, ISC. Since we talked last, uh, the two biggest SGs down there yeah. uh, was Veritas they, and... Uh, I don't God, remember the I other one. The, I forgot the other one. Anthem? Um, yes. Yeah, thank you. The Anthem. Uh, they both, they signed a joint statement. They're you know, boycotting, so, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Supporting the... Yeah. Uh, the bill of rights we'll call it yeah so anyway uh yeah if we can if we could figure out if there's already something rolling on that or if you know if we can co-sponsor i mean we're not really a uh we don't have a team and we you know we have a supporters group in theory we do have a podcast but we do have a podcast and that makes us important we think we could even start a change.org petition like (laughs) we're we're willing to go the extra yard Three to four inches. All right. Um, so speaking of fan council things, let's get into um, uh, what we saw at the uh, fan council. I hear my dog. So if you hear my dog in the background, I'm sorry. Um, but um, so we'll, on Thursday, uh, last Thursday, I don't remember what that date was, but uh, we went out to Amsterdam again to do another fan council session. Um, and this one was really all about game day experience not so much in the supporter section but what it looks like when you come down to game day um and there were two different kickoff times it was a 3 p.m kickoff time and a 7 p.m kickoff time um i believe seven or eight something like that it was it was two and seven two and seven okay both on saturdays right yeah Yeah. we we believe both saturday but theoretically the sunday could also be a a two or you know whatever clock uh kickoff but they were talking about game day stages or, you know, parts of the game day. So before the game day, entry and pregame, first 45, halftime, second 45, and then postgame. And they were trying to figure out when people are going to get to the game, what they're going to do before the game, what they're going to do, hang out, where they're going to hang out, um, how they're going to get into the game, what they're going to buy as they're walking in, um, then... Um, what they're going to do during the first half. Are they going to be eating? Are they going to be drinking? Um, Are they going to be doing fan experiences? Then at halftime, how do we make it so the people who are going to the bathroom get to the bathroom quickly? How do you get people getting beer and food as efficiently as possible in that 20-minute period? And then um, what does the second 45 look like? And then post-game, what do we do afterward? Uh, Do we hang out? Do we go to other bars? Do we do any of those types of things? Um, and then it was broken down into like three different parts. Um, one of them was feelings. One of them was, you know, what the actual thing was. And I don't remember what the third category was. And it was very uh, focus group, you know, style. Yeah. 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 Lots of sticky notes. Lots of sticky notes. Um, so we talked a lot of that. Do we just kind of want to go through? Um, oh, yeah. Move that bag. Move it. Um, so do we kind of want to go through um, just section by section and, and kind of go through what our groups talked about? And unfortunately, I guess for us that we were only really broken up into two groups. There were a total of three or four, but I think we were only broken into two. So, yeah, I th- we I mean, obviously, I think we had the best group, you know, for reasons. But I, I really actually think we had the best group because we had one of the marketing guys and one of the ticketing uh, gals and the like head of PR for the club swung by into our group for a little bit. So I, I think we had a very balanced, 
you know, group and we're able to have a back and forth with members of city, you know, versus just having sticky notes to, to put on there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we had kind of similar, we had, um, gosh, now I feel terrible. Um, is it Michelle, um, from, from ESPN who is, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we had, um, Akif from the, um, Bosnian business bureau, I believe. And then we had a dude named Jared, which I don't, I know, just know that Jared lived in the city. Um, that was as much as I really, um, gotten. I, I heard a story about his block party, uh, but that's not my story to tell. So, um, anywho, and then Malia was in there and then we had one of the, the, girls from city and then Seebeck kept popping back because Seebeck has a crush on me. Um, so, um, but we talked, um, before the game, what'd you guys get about before the game? What were you saying, um, in that section? Uh, well, it was a Saturday evening. Uh, so we were talking about, uh, how early people might be showing up and what they might be doing before the game. Are they heading, uh, in via rideshare or, or taxi, or are they coming in via the Metro link and what they're going to do from there? Are they going to try and hit up an event, you know, or uh, not an event, but a uh, go to a restaurant or a bar nearby? Are they going to go to the tailgate, go in and maybe see uh, what the, the plaza is looking like right outside the stadium? Yeah. Yeah. And so what was your guys' timeline? What do you think people are going to do, you know, before a game for St. Louis city? Yeah, so we had, oh man, I wish I could remember his name. Carl? Curtis? I want to say it was Curtis. The uh, Curtis, Curtis sounds, sounds right. Curtis sounds, yeah. Uh, had brought up a really interesting point. So we, I mean, our conversation really had a, had a duality to it. So it was, for each one of these things, it was two things. You know, is it is it you and the crew? And then is it like you and the family? you know, and what that looks like. Cause, uh, you know, we had very different answers. Um, when he's like, when I come out with, you know, with my girl and my kids, like, you know, we're not going to the bar, we're not doing this, we're not doing this, but you know, we got to do these other things, you know? And, and Rick and I are over here, well, like if we just show up, where's the bar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that was what Jared said. I think so. We had a different game time. So our group had the, the two or three o'clock start time. Um, and Jared said, I think the same thing was it depends on if I'm coming out with kids. Cause if I come out with kids, I'm going to get there 30 to 45 minutes ahead of time. And I'm going to go in, we're going to see what's happening in the plaza as we're walking in, but then we're going to go to our seats, get food and drink, go to the seats and basically just kind of hang out in the seats from that point forward you know, until they need something else, uh, where, you know, to me, none of it matters because what they're putting on for the game, I'm probably not going to get to see because that wasn't going off of our experience from St. Louis FC. We got a little bit of tailgate time, but a lot of it is show up, set up drums, get all the drum, yeah. you know, who's playing this, who's marching in with that. I need to talk to Brad about this. I need to talk to Mitch about that. Yeah, it was a lot of administrative activities and not, and not really enjoying it. Um, yeah, it was, it's all behind the curtain stuff from the drum corp and, and uh, I guess, capo perspective. Yeah. Um, the, the gist was, <clears throat> sorry, uh, you know, seven o'clock game, so you're down at like five. Yeah. You know, it's one of those head out, head out after work or go home, get changed, head down. You're there at five, five thirty, you know, and, uh, 
from there, they've got really, really awesome ideas for that plaza. You know, they were talking about, you know, they got the food truck row and, you know, the vendors and, and all of that, but also like, how do you engage the surrounding area too? You know, so a lot of it was, you know, are you going to go to dinner before the game? Are you eating at the restaurant? Obviously, or at the the stadium, obviously they want you to eat at the stadium because they want your money. Uh, but just like how to integrate the entire area and the entire experience around the club. Like one of the things they were talking about was uh, like pre warm up events with players, like for families to show up to do photo opportunities and like merch signings yeah. and things like that. So like you can do for the Cardinals where you go down and do batting practice or, yeah. you know, any of those types of things. Well, there's, I mean, there's not an overwhelming amount of bars and restaurants in downtown West, but there's enough that like, if the three of us went down there, you know, purely as spectators, we would have something to do. But, uh, you know, the families come down or they've got kids or, you know, sitting at the restaurants, not really in the cards because that can be expensive, you know, for a group of people, something to do in the stadium. You know, maybe it is going and watching. We talked about uh, we really paralleled the blues a lot. You know, if you get in early, you don't even have to go to your seat, but they come out, they warm up, they flip pucks into the stands, they tap on the glass, they wave at the kids, you know. The players, for them, that's just warm-up. But for the people, they're like, oh, there they are. Oh, he's on the ice. I really hope we see that guy. You know, and trying to incorporate those feelings and build that anticipation by letting people in and seeing that in the stadium. Now, that's interesting because we also brought up the Blues, but not in, and not necessarily in a negative light, but I don't feel like it was mimicking that experience because we were talking a lot about when it came to the blues and this is more kind of post game but the way that people tend to go the blues games at least in my experience which is show up see the game and instantly pick up your stuff and leave again Mm -hmm. Um, and there's not a lot of you know game day activities outside of the blues stadium you know every once in a while there's a concert or something but for the most part it's very much a once you get into the stadium stuff happens and i feel like st louis city is going the opposite of trying to bring a lot of it outside of the stadium and engage outside of the stadium yeah i would agree to want to draw people in uh yeah and uh somebody i think you might have initially said it on twitter and then somebody fed off of you uh was comparing it to wrigleyville yeah so we had I, for comparison's sake, in the discussion, we had a couple people throw out Ballpark Village. <clears throat> and it was immediately shut down by all of us. Like this, one, Ballpark Village is a terrible place. Plain and simple. I will, I will, never, I will never not feel that way. You know, what it did for the area, what it, I, I don't care. I'm, I'm in my 30s. Ballpark Village may as well be kinder care. So you just, like, you don't like the, and I, this is a, a tough question because it's going to offend somebody. Do you not like the people who go to Baltark Village? Do you just not like the idea of like five corporate restaurants stacked on top of one another? Like what, that one, hundred percent. Okay, not so, even close. With twelve hundred dollar a month apartments above those. Yeah, it's just like it's it's a hundred percent corporate. And like now during a baseball game or uh, during a Blues game when it's packed with Blues fans, or we've had soccer events there, those have been really cool. But when you take those special, like explicit events out of it, it's just not what about it is St. Louis. Yeah. Nothing. It's 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 visually themed like Bush Stadium and that's it. 
it it feels like a commercial copy to make the new yeah new it's like what 15 years old now stadium feel a bit more like Wrigleyville to go back to yeah. what was said two now, minutes ago having been to Wrigleyville I would 100% rather spend a game day you know before during and after at a Wrigleyville and In that not mo- at a ballpark village because it's more organic because it's more neighborhood based is that kind of literally neighborhood based yeah well, you know you, you just walk down the street i mean we were up there for uh, my buddy's bachelor party uh several years ago and i mean is you're walking in a neighborhood you're walking in a neighborhood there's a bar some neighborhood bam bar 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 stadium and everyone's there you know uh walking from from place to place there's there's street vendors there's the whole atmosphere outside of wrigley and you don't I mean, you don't really get that at a Blues game because everything's inside the arena. Um, you don't get that at a Cardinals game either, I don't think. It's the only thing you get outside of those two venues are people walking to the event. Yeah, and that's the weird thing about St. Louis, I think, is because of the way that it's divided. Um, yeah. You just don't get a lot of that because all of the places that would be the bars that you're walking from are on Washington or you know those types of places. And that's, mm-hmm. it's not that far. But, you know, for fat uh, Midwesterners, it's, it's it <laughs> yeah. might as well be, you know, a, mm-hmm. a pilgrimage. So, um, yeah, it is it is an interesting view of that. So then that kind of ties back to what do they do? What does the team do to, you know, build that up? And we've talked food trucks, and I think that's something they're probably going to le- lean on relatively heavily yeah, of, heavily I think yeah of that because there aren't a lot of those things around but you know maybe they do and maybe that kind of builds up and that's you know gets a little bit into that question that we talk about um which I think we'll kind of try and round that up towards the end so um something we talked about before game that I don't know that will happen um but I would kind of love to see is we came kept coming back to the tailgate. Um, and it's something Rick and I talked about. Um, and we talked about pretty exclusively, um, at our, our group, there was the, the fear that I have that Schlafly is not big enough. And I think we talked a little bit about this last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I was talking to Aaron Mednick via Facebook messenger, and he was having a very similar discussion about, you know, how does that work? long term with us and right, and all yeah. of that um and then somebody else in the questions asked you know how do you incorporate the game day experience and make it feel like there's room for families to hang out and to spread out and those types of things and so something i suggested was is it possible to shut down grand or not grand market and chestnut all the way through the or through the the grassy area so basically up to the end of the enterprise center is it possible to block that off and basically make it a street fair every time you have a st louis fc game or not st louis st louis city game um and i don't think it is but that to me alleviates a lot of problems well it may be become a a necessity if say we have a blues city double header or simul start I don't know how much those seasons overlap. So, and I we we touched on that a little bit. There is a very realistic possibility that all three of these sports are playing at the exact same time yeah. within a mile of each other. Yeah, and that's that's something that I think would be cool, and it would be something that like that's where I see you could actually have a Luligan tailgate, like mm-hmm. a Luligan tailgate 
to me doesn't necessarily make sense at Schlafly because I don't see how the space works out. Now, again, I could be wrong and, and whatever. And I mean, no offense to Schlafly when I say that I love the people at Schlafly. They've been great to us. I just, it doesn't make sense in my head that it works. Yeah. So, um, I hope I'm proved wrong. I hope there's some amazing plan that makes it work. Um, yeah. but I, I don't. So that to me, taking some part of that and building out what we do on a, you know, mm-hmm. a normal basis, of blocking all of that off and, and making that a true fan experience zone all the way up to Union Station and to yeah. the to the now, game. Does does that also then help build the atmosphere just for the casual fan to see that this is big enough to block off market and they say, oh holy shit, market's closed. Well to me it doesn't. To me it also makes it so it doesn't <gasps> have to be you don't have to go to the game. Mm-hmm. Like that could be a just a downtown thing. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. that brings people downtown on a you know just we talked about that one too. Yeah. It was like, you know, uh I talked about uh Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit for the Red Wings. They have just a literal LED TV wall, uh, you know, and there are other giant arenas that have an externally facing, you know, video board or jumbotron or something that will play, you know, the game, the highlights, something like that. So one of the things we were talking about was incorporating the area and not just for people who are at the game, but for people who just want to be part of the experience, super open air. It's going to be super loud. We have the most vertical supporter section in the league, you know, so everything's going to project, so just being within a couple blocks of that and hearing what's going on and being a part of that, you know, is just as important. One of the things we talked about in our group was wanting to make uh, watching the game without being at the game and being a part of the game day atmosphere more accessible uh, because of the way that, say, being able to hang out outside the baseball stadium the way you could in the jewel box days of the 40s and 50s. People can't do that anymore without buying or renting a $1,200 a month apartment across the street from the stadium or taking a pair of binoculars up to the top of the arch. Yeah. And that's, so that's also something that, um, uh, Michelle brought up. It was that she's done all these really cool, you know, ESPN type of things. And one of the things she was talking about was going to, I want to say Alabama, but I could be wrong on one of those, you know, SEC football games where it's these huge Southern you know, and tailgating is their religion, you know, and they go out three days ahead of time and bury the pigs so they can come out and, you know, tailgate, uh, for the Saturday game and, and how that becomes this huge thing. And, and the tailgate, you don't even need to go to the game. Like you just go and you set up your flat screen and you just tailgate at the thing that is kind of, you know, that same idea of how do we build, something that no matter whether you're in the yeah. stadium, you're outside of the stadium, it's a city event. And that is kind of um, a little bit of, of that type of thing. And I think figuring out how to block off that amount of the city. And honestly, to me, it makes sense because there's not that much that you need to drive down market, you know, between those two things, unless you're going to Union Station yeah. to the enterprise center or to, uh, 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 the soccer stadium, there's nothing there. So right. going down to olive doesn't make that much difference. It's not going to change anything. So, um, I don't think losing market on, you know, for eight hours on a Saturday yeah. is going to, you know, change the world. Especially if you're talking about having a hundred and thousand sport events, ticket holders alone, just wandering around. That is yeah. a 
That's a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of foot traffic. Exactly. On those, and especially those days where you have three games going, Mm -hmm. that's going to be huge. Um, So kind of tying into that before the game, one of the things that I also, or was also brought up in our group um, was the idea of like how people get to the game. And you talked about, um, I think Metro, did you mention Metro earlier? Uh, yeah, we were, uh, I think after the fact, you and I were talking that, you know, if the the logistics piece, like the drums and everything, if we didn't have to lug those back, load them up and carry them, be responsible for them, I would 100% take the Metro down because we live right up by the Umsol station. I wouldn't have to drive. I don't care what happens. I don't have to lug, you know, seven drums back in my car. Yeah. In yeah. fact, we would probably meet up at the Umsol station yeah. and ride down. Because for free all day. And why don't not? Don't have to you feed know, the meter. I think that popped up in one of the Twitter feeds. It's a great idea. I mean, we used to, I mean, we used to drive halfway, you know, to like Brentwood and hop on the Metro to go down for, you know, Cardinals or Blues games. You know, yeah. Malia and I did that all the time. I would absolutely take the Metro. Absolutely. So that's, but the the thing is, is that, you know, we might, but I feel like a lot of people in St. Louis and specifically a lot of people in St. Louis County will not, um, you know, those, those, yeah. anybody that's West of 270, I don't think is jumping on the Metrolink too terribly much. Um, well, it doesn't, I'm sorry. It doesn't reach the St. Charles yeah. group of people. Well, and also uh, Joe Chambers was one of our other people who was getting in on the conversation today. And he was saying, you know, he's going to drive in 45 minutes or something early and I'll, I'll get his exact quote. But I asked him if Metro was an option. Well, he lives in South City. So no, the Metro is because right. it doesn't go south. Yeah. Um, so getting that north south line. Again, um, something that has been talked about in St. Louis for quite a few years would totally change the way that you're able to get, you know, uh, into the city and, and it opens up North city and it also opens up, uh, South city, you know, for people to, to cross in and, and, you know, get to the game, get downtown, get to events, but that's my thing was rehabilitate. I think the word I used uh, very specifically when I wrote it down was on the sticky note was rehabilitate because it, people just don't believe in it. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm six foot three, 300 pounds. So, you know, if somebody's messing with somebody, it's usually they're not picking on me. You know, I'm not the guy that they're like, I'm going to mess with that guy. Um, but I understand why Melissa wouldn't want to ride the Metro alone uh, at night sometimes. So, you know, it's it's something that I, I feel like, you know, Kavanaugh and uh, and uh, CKB have the the ability and the pull in this town to maybe actually do something about that. So um, so that's before the game. That's a, a, a relatively decent overview. What are we talking entry uh, and that pregame experience? What does that look like to you guys? Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I think the I mean, the obvious one is I think every single group had a slight variation on a common thread and we all agreed soccer the soccer clock doesn't stop so everything that you need to do that's not in your seat has to be done before the game starts and everybody echoed some variation of technology <clears throat> you know a an app a touch screen uh contactless you know, ordering or pickup or something like that and streamlining the shit out of everything. Uh, you know, we talked about it uh, in the very first episode. We talked about if the guy in front of you can't decide between a bud and a bud select, that's that's like 
three minutes of your time, you know, and if it comes off draft, that's more time. Cause you got to pour. But if I can just on an app while I'm headed in, be like, like I need to pick up from the outside of this section. I want these two beers and this cheeseburger. And then I can just head towards it. It's in process. There were jokes being thrown around about getting like food and drinks delivered via drone from within the stadium. <laughs> I love that. I love, I love the idea that uh, somebody's going to drop some locos to fries <laughs> right? like directly yeah, on the yeah. snare uh, as I'm playing. Um, but no, and it's, I think we could basically sum up the rest of the sections up to post game with basically app. <laughs> I think was yeah. basically what, what we kind of came down to. Yeah. Were, uh, well, and I mean, there's the obvious piece of like, you know, getting the beer, getting the spirit, uh, you know, how many satellite bars, you know, do you need to accommodate that? You know, are they just in the four corners? Are they, you know, stretched throughout? Uh, and the other one, just so it's on record, bathrooms. One of the first things that was thrown out in our group was there's got to be a bunch of bathrooms. None of this 50 people around the corner waiting in a line kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's the one thing I think Bush Stadium gets really correct. I, yeah. I very rarely ever wait in a bathroom line at Bush Stadium it, or a couple of seconds, maybe. But um, yeah, I feel like they've one of they're one of the few stadiums that gets it right, and I feel like yeah. the Enterprise Center gets it very, now, very wrong. So slight, you know, uh, shift to the left on that. Is that because? baseball is the pace it is and hockey all 18 19,000 people are like-minded that you have these three windows you know to accomplish what you need to accomplish that's a possibility i mean and it, that makes sense and soccer theoretically will then be significantly worse yeah because there is a window yeah and that's that's why we drew as many parallels to the hockey experience as we could was you know i mean the clock stops in hockey but it stops for as long as it takes them to get a new puck from the bench and then they drop it again. Uh, so, you know, the app was killer, you know, having places in the concourse where you can relax, you know, uh, a family, you know, kids, they're going to want to be in the supporter section, but what if it starts to get too much, you know, maybe the kid's overwhelmed, there's too much noise, the mom needs a break, something like that. So having places around the concourse where you can still be involved in the game day and the environment and the experience, but being able to be just a step removed from like the full on experience. Yeah. I think that that is definitely something that um, I, I think a lot of teams are starting to, you know, that's kind of an accessibility thing. You know, we've, I, I know that we have um, families that have uh, some special needs uh, individuals. Yeah. And I think that is really, really helpful because they want to be part of the game day experience, but you also need that spot right. where if you need yeah. to, to de desensitize, you need to be able to get somewhere. Well, we have our committed full-time adult members of the Luligans who have their own existing medical or mental yeah. or yeah. medicine related conditions who, who you know, sometimes just need to get out of the heat, mm -hmm. rehydrate or cool off, drop the body temperature. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think all of that is is definitely vitally important to, to what we do. And yeah, I mean, just somewhere that when a drummer about passes out, they can go get air conditioning like real one fast. time that happens. <laughs> to you specifically. <laughs> but um, no, I think I think that's good. And I also kind of coming back to that um, place to go. There was one 
thing that was mentioned in our section. I don't know that it was mentioned overall, but um, somebody questioned whether we were going to be able to bring our dogs. And the statement that was from a St. Louis City person was this. They are aiming to be the most dog friend or pet friendly stadium in MLS. Now, what the most pet friendly uh, stadium means to everyone could be interpreted differently. I'm getting a service alligator. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't as long know. As, the, as long as it's got the vest, I think it's, you know. Yeah, 100%. You just have to have paperwork. Uh, it's be a bitch to train, but... <laughs> <laughs> Gonna be great bringing it on airplanes and stuff. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It, you know, you you could buy a seat for it, and then you don't have to worry about legroom. Um, but <laughs> um, we have the idea that you know maybe you could somehow bring your dog to the game, or maybe they're gonna have a dog sitter, so you don't have to worry about leaving your dog at home for five hours because <laughs> yeah. that was you know. I, my original thought for how long you would be there is two hours before, two hours after. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's potentially six hours for a dog. And that's, that's it's getting, a long time. Yeah. yeah. That's getting on the range of, you know, our dogs. Luckily, Melissa lives, uh, lives at home. <laughs> Melissa lives at home guys. Uh, Melissa works at home. So they're very rarely ever put up, yeah. you know, so, um, they can stay in a cage for six to eight hours, but we really try not to do that. And, uh, yeah, so that it's just another thing. I maybe because, you know, they're dog lovers and it's Purina, maybe they're going to try and figure out a way of, of making that logistic work. Man. But I, I don't know how the, the overall sentiment, um, uh, <clears throat> from the the people that we talked to is just how willing to be progressive everybody is and and how much they really don't care what works somewhere else and what doesn't they're open to whatever is going to make it the best here uh you know that's where the app in our conversation the concept of this app really evolved you know not just how do I order food? Uh, but you know, uh, I don't know if you have the fifth stand app. It's the Chelsea. No. Mobile. Yeah, I, I, I do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but also other, uh, you know, team apps and club apps, you know, you can shop, you can, uh, see the seating chart. You have the, obviously the mobile ticketing piece. Uh, but also, like a big thing, and we haven't touched on it yet at all, uh, is we had just talked about how Gerard Kraft was at the last council meeting, and like we didn't get to talk to him at all. We we're kind of bummed about that. But a big piece of it was him walking around and getting and soliciting feedback from everybody from on the food piece, you know. So they're less interested in how many concession stands have hot dogs and popcorn, and more interested in what food would get you to the stadium and get you to eat at the stadium timing and situational based deals. Like if, if we're trying to score a last minute goal or at least last minute before last call, and we want the fans to get amped up, maybe there's a mass uh, push notification that goes out saying like, you know, go to the bar now and get a vodka Red Bull for X percent off or something. Hype everybody up going into the the final portion of the game. Yeah, yeah, and that was honestly, I just yeah, I thought a, a push notification just for the supporters and just to let them yeah. know that the beers, you know, beers about to run out. Uh, yeah, would but, be good. You know, have you know game day specials or, or rotating deals? You know, at at this uh, at this stand, 
you know, or, or, uh, at the generic stands, hot dogs or, you know, buy one, get one or, uh, a local spotlight, you know, pick this, uh, you know, the enterprise center has a sugar fire, has a, a lion's choice, has a bunch of other stuff, you know, and, and have one focus like, Hey, this week, this is our local deal, you know, and use that to drive some local business as well. Well, I think one of Baker's ideas, actually, I want to say maybe both of these are Baker's ideas, where one was the food passport. So having all of these oh, different yeah, places really one, yeah. around and then the idea is that you go eat at each one of them over the course of the season. And then if you do them all, you're entered into some kind of drawing where you, you know, you win something. Um, but then the other idea was kind of like sugar fire does or high point or any of those, you know, the local restaurants, they do that special of the day, but you can only get it that day on that, you yeah. know, game. And so the, our, their idea was that Gerard craft would go through and create that yeah. specialty thing for that game. And then that would be, and you can only get it that day at those specific places. And being able to see that through the app, you know, through Twitter, through whatever, um, know that it's coming and look forward to that. That's something, again, that would be kind of uniquely St. Louis and and unique to that game day experience where you're creating kind of a, a neat thing. And again, you can't get every time, but it also makes it so those kitchens, say Sugar Fire, if they love that, can then take that back and you know yeah. use it as a, essentially a test kitchen yeah and then we took it another step further uh and this was also this came up in the twitter comments if you're a visiting fan there's a lot in the city to do there's a lot of good food there's a lot of good restaurants you know where do you start you know and having the app not just for you know the three of us the the, the soccer families the kids the groups coming in and looking at it and saying, oh, this restaurant's got a deal for, you know, people who are going to show your ticket, get a get a kid's meal or something like that. Yeah, the digital age of the uh, old-fashioned uh, ticket stub coupon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that appeals to the away supporter, too, because I can go say, all right, so there's these restaurants around here. They've got these deals. They've got these specials. Oh, there's this one restaurant inside the stadium that's got triple pork, nine-layer nachos. So, you know, something that you're going to look at and then say, oh, okay, cool. And it's got a St. Louis flair to it by whatever avenue the restaurant wants to do. You know, and the decision is now made for that traveling supporter. And we get the food, we get the business, we get the revenue and build the experience. I just want those nachos. I'm already thinking, what are what are the three porks? You know, bacon. Pull, pulled pork, bacon. Pork. Maybe sausage. Like, make like a pork butt or... Uh, I don't know. I... My first thought was bacon and pork belly, which, although depending on the cut, are the same thing. They're two completely different beasts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could do you could do pulled pork and brisket. Is is brisket or is that beef? Brisket's could, beef. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got nothing. Just do two different types pulled, of pulled. Uh, what maybe uh, pork belly, bacon, pulled rib meat. Yeah, you, or you could do rib meat and, and pulled pork too. Just you know, do yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm down with it. I don't know. I'm. We figure it out. We'll sell it. We'll we'll make millions. <laughs> we'll. Uh, We'll use the, the new smoker. I've got you guys come over. We'll we'll workshop this so the next fan council will just we'll just bring <laughs> just a styro, bring. just bring a container, set it down, and say, Seabag, uh, Gerard, here. Uh, this is our first nomination. This is our suggestion. <laughs> Gerard would be like, "What the? F- what is wrong with you? <laughs> I am a I am a trained chef. What is wrong with you?" <laughs> well, it was uh, it was cool to interact with him. You know, when we're talking about the food and and how to get it all done is like the. I'm one, nobody's going to question his talent, knowledge, skill, or passion for the industry and for all of that. 
but uh, just like seeing him like light up at some of these ideas and, and I, I forgot what, what we had said. Uh, I think Bomi had said something and Curtis had sent those, said something and he just took it and ran with it. And he's already talking. He's like, yeah, what if Bob? I'm like, so, I mean, the, the guy's in and the guy wants it to be good and wants it to be successful. Yeah, I, I dig it. And I, I feel that way about, you know, uh, again, I'm, I'm not a fan of MLS, but I am a fan of what this individual team is trying to do. Um, whether or not they can pull it off, you know, this is the planning stage. This is the ideation. There's no bad ideas. Yeah. We'll see what the actual, you know, day game day looks yeah. like. But this is the fun part where you get to think of all the possibilities of what we could do, and then some poor schmuck has to go through and actually figure out how to make it happen. Yeah, and it's it was very cool um, after the breakout groups, which are my favorite group activity or yeah. our breakout groups. Uh, everybody comes back together and they were like, we'll take like your three best ideas and present them. And, you know, we're, we're cheering each other on. We're like, oh shit, that's a great idea. Or, you know, oh, you, you overheard us. You stole that idea from us. Uh, you know, was, was very cool to see everybody there and their different ideas and how you just feed off of each other. And just the general uh, consensus of as much craft beer as possible and as little, Bud Light as, bo- <laughs> as, as possible. Yeah, somebody said, uh, you know, why can't we have craft as many craft beers as we have Bud products? And I think five of us roughly at the same time said, we're cool with no Bud products. Like, you can have no <laughs> AB. And Seabed goes, we're going to have AB. We can't not have AB. And we're like, well, but you could be brave, Matt. <laughs> you could be brave. Uh, he won't. But uh, again, it's not his call. And, and AB is going to throw a truckload of money at them. So we we know how that works. AB is in everything. So yeah, I think the uh, the takeaway from the in-game experience is that you can order a beer brewed in Halifax uh and have it delivered within two minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I do think that they are taking the craft beer thing seriously. I think they are very much taking the local food thing seriously. They asked on Twitter. They got a ton of responses. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If, so I, I talked to him about this. I, I talked to Gerard about this, and they had, uh, like, as soon as that went live, they had over 2,500 unique submissions in that first day. And that's that's not total. That's just... 2,500 unique St. Louis, St. Louis area restaurants suggested. Yeah. Well, I think in every one of ours, you know, in, in Luligan posts, I know everybody was listing off four or five of their favorites. And yeah, I, yeah. I know I did, you know, the same thing. Uh, but yeah, I, just, I think it's neat that they're, they are very much trying to go St. Louis. I hope there are fewer, you know, random, the archway uh yeah. snack stands and and more steve's yeah. hot dogs and yeah, yeah. you know places you can get the best uh toasted raventown or you can get you know whatever that that specialty thing is but you don't have to you know buy popcorn yeah, or, or yeah, yeah. and uh i mean shameless plug because somebody at city is going to listen to this uh one of my favorite ideas that came out of our group because it was mine uh was like the use of like a ghost kitchen or, or ghost style kitchen. You know, there's so many restaurants in St. Louis that just rent a piece of a commercial kitchen so they can be a restaurant. Uh, and when you go, when you look at the foundry that just opened up downtown as well, those restaurants that are down there are renting that space, you know? Uh, so have one that rotates every couple weeks and, and have a different local spotlight in that kitchen. And that, that be like the restaurant of the day. And, then you don't have to worry about, 
you know, a sugar fire who can put their name on an every game day concession stand or Alliance choice that they, they have corporate money. They can pay for this block. Uh, but you know, like, a uh, max local eats or, uh, a gorilla or, or revel kitchen or something like that. You know, they have a huge following of people and it would be cool to like get them in there for a couple weeks and say, Hey, uh, this month the guest kitchen is Revel, or this month the guest kitchen is Gorilla Street Food, or something like that. Yeah, for sure. I th- I think that would be a, a super neat uh, a way of of getting again more just local just St. Louis get it, buy-in, it, as local as possible. Yeah. Yep. All right. So we've talked probably way too long on that. So let's uh, switch into post game real fast. Um, what did you guys have for post game? What did you What did you talk about with that? It was a lot of sentiment about uh, wanting to have somewhere to hang out for a short period of time, maybe as long as as two hours, Uh, just kind of somewhere to maybe sober up for a bit or uh, have one last beer before everybody heads home. You know, a chance to talk about that rocket of a goal in the first half or that terrible missed penalty in the first, you know. Yeah, uh and yeah, you know, we used sobering up like specifically because like, if you needed to justify doing it, uh, but you have this the big plaza outside the stadium, you know, the game's gonna be, we'll we'll call it two hours, you know, before, during, and and after a little bit, uh, but at a seven o'clock game, that means you're out at nine, which, you know, is perfect if you want to go out. There's places to go out, but if you just want somewhere to like hang with like-minded folk and and like Rick said, talk about that screamer of a goal or you know, why, why the coach didn't sub somebody in or something, you know, having city foster a place that would allow that, you know, like the plaza or something or uh, somewhere in union station, maybe. Yeah. And that was another thing we talked about was like having post game specials too. like, Hey, we won. This is a special, or if you went to the game, this is a special or, you know, something like that where we can, go go and finish out our night without having to like start again because you know if if we go to a restaurant that's down by the stadium that's just a continuation but if you know we head back into the county and then we're like okay let's go get food well then we've started another activity yeah so that's something that uh i'm gonna go back to to michelle again she talked about um when she would go to or work cardinals games then her friends would call after the game, after she was done with things and always say, where are we going? And there are a couple places to go down by the Cardinal stadium. If you want to go to wheelhouse or, you know, the uh, flying saucer or whatever the it is now, but you know, any of those places down there, you could go to those places, but there wasn't always a good spot. There was never, this is where we're going. This is, this is the spot to go. And she was very much hoping for, this is the spot. Like this is, yeah maybe it's a a city throne party or it's a, you know, whatever that thing is, but knowing where the after party is, having that pre-designed after party, making it not just the game, but it's the game. And then, you know, and, and so that was something that, that she was talking about that I think is, is interesting. Um, So that was a, a, a fun one, but to me, what I do after a game is very dependent on how we play. You know, it, to me, mm-hmm. um, 
if we win a game, I might hang out and talk. If we lose a game, I'm going to Jack in the box and I'm going to go hate eat myself to death. You know, so um, it did you guys see the same things that you talk about, you know, if it's different after a win or after a loss? Uh, specifically that, no. The one that we really got into was how long people could justify hanging out inside the stadium versus hanging out just outside it or going to a post-game tailgate-like yeah. activity. And maybe that's something that the tailgate could do, become the new post-game. Fewer people, especially for a Saturday night game, are going to be hanging around at right. 9.30, 10 o'clock uh, without wanting to do something, but the smaller crowd at that Schlafly parking lot might be phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, and just kind of, I guess, what, what Michelle was, was talking about, too, when she was talking in front of the hooker, was like, almost make my decision for me. Yeah. You know, so socially, the three of us have been in a situation where we go, okay, what's next? And we may as well just call it a night right there because yep. of how long it's going to take us to make up our mind. Absolutely. But if we knew, hey, you know, we can hang out in the concourse for you know, an hour after the game, and then we can hang out in the plaza for another hour. You know, we'll just go to the concourse till they kick us out, and then we'll just go to the plaza until they kick us out, and that will be our night. You yeah. Know? And we'll talk about the game. I'm, I guarantee it's St. Louis. You're going to run into people you know. You know, so it's enough to do right there that also keeps you, you know, connected to the team and to the area. You know, we say food trucks a lot, but there are some damn good dessert-oriented food trucks. So just swap out... Southern and Locos and all those, you know, dinner food trucks that you had before the game slot in. Uh, give me Clementines. Just give me, just give me Clementines or uh, I don't know if Broadway waffles on ice cream have a food truck, but if they don't, yeah. they should. Like late uh, night comfort breakfast food, yeah, coffees, yeah, yeah, donuts. Yeah. So maybe uh, like a, what is it? Insomnia cookies. Oh my God. You put yeah. an insomnia, insomnia cookies. or hot box or, you yeah. know, something, but change the theme of what you can do there. I mean, when we, when we would go out, uh, big old change places. Yeah. Back in college, uh, you know, we'd go down to Humphreys and when it was over, there was like, you know, Pickleman's was open till three or something and you had to eat something because you were just drinking all night. But then there was a food truck always parked outside of Humphreys. And some nights it was a bagel truck. Some nights it was a cold cut. Some nights it was donuts. But that truck did the business. Man, you, uh, the hot dog stand dude in the Grove. I yeah. mean, there's there's the dude that just shows up at like one o'clock in the morning with a hot dog stand in the Grove. And that dude, I think, makes money hand over fist. If like, there was a guy who rolled into the plaza with a bicycle cart full of churros right before the game ended, I alone would buy him out for the night. I mean, you do the same thing with Elotes, and Melissa will fight you for it. So, yeah, uh, exactly. But local local businesses, local people are getting local money. You're yeah. still at the arena. You're associating that post-game time with being there. And then it's all wrapped up again under you know, the city flag. Yeah, 100%. Rick, where are we at time-wise? Uh, one hour, nine minutes. Oh, yeah, we're pushing. All right, so um, let's... Are you cool if we skip MLS this week? Yeah, we can come back to that later. Cool. We'll, we'll come back to MLS then. Um, I do want to talk about um, our Twitter responses to this because we did get some really, really great stuff, and I want to reiterate how much we appreciate um, you guys jumping in on these Twitter questions. Um, because without the the discussion, I feel like 
you know, there's really no point, but I, I really, really feel like we got some great responses. So, um, the question was, um, actually we had asked a question before, um, and Mike Eaton, our buddy had responded, um, the absolutely, uh, the away support is good. Um, and we want people to stay here, spend money and have a good time here. So that was really kind of the question that prompted, um, what is it that we have to do to make downtown more attractive? And I feel like a lot of what city is doing is that downtown revitalization. You know, uh, Bush certainly did that with uh, the ballpark village and those types of things. And whether you like it or not, they spent a ton of money and got a whole bunch of free tax money to go do that. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, And city for what it's worth is taking less free tax money, but is still getting, you know, their fair share of free tax money building their stadium. But the idea is you're revitalizing and you're building these anchor properties that people want to build around. Um, and so hopefully, um, with this, we're trying to get an idea of what those things will be. So what is it that will make you spend more time? Um, Stu responded, um, row houses, a row house infill would do a lot to help revitalize that area. Not something city can really do, but I think it would help. Um, and that's something that comes up a lot is, um, the revitalization of, of not apartments downtown, but houses, housing units, uh, single family, those There's a types. ton down by the, what do they call it now? America center. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we could start, you know, if that area starts really picking up and, and building into those types of things where there is walkable residential area where those people it's not just people who are coming down for the game because that's not going to sustain a business to put a a brick and mortar down there because if it's just you know every couple weeks that's not enough to sustain every other saturday from from two to ten they do the business right yeah yeah yeah. so that's that's not enough so and there is enough downtown to support a bit but it's not you know downtown business is not big enough to support all of those businesses through lunch and etc etc so um getting those row houses and and more of that down there like butler butler brothers is building the apartments and that'll be great but you know is that going to be for everybody? Probably not. So, uh, row houses would be great. Um, I asked him about the Butler brothers. He said, it's going to be a great re- rehab, um, but mixed residential. Um, he wants to see more houses. Uh, Baker says, uh, away fans will have to, ch- uh, will have close hotels, but much of that area activated with restaurants, bars, vibrant, full weekend of action. The club has to activate as much of that area as possible and attract third parties to move into the area. Yeah. So does this then boost union station further and I hope so, you know, inject more life. Cause I mean, it's, it's already like, I mean, let's not short sell anything. It's night and day more entertaining, more fun and more impressive than it's ever been in my life. Um, but there's still a lot of open, you know, inside union station. There's still a lot of, of openings and rooms for businesses and things to move in. Well, and I think so. I think, you know, if you can, a lot of what union station, it's the same problem the Metro had. And it's, you know, kind of systematic of, of that problem of of the metro in st louis is that um union station got that reputation of being crime filled and and we're fighting that still fighting that reputation of even though the the aquarium's there and the wheels there and all of that it's still a a reputation of people don't necessarily want to go there and i i hope that 
having the people and the businesses and the houses and all of that stuff down there as Baker was kind of making the point is that more activity means, you know, less crime. The more, more people and the more constant activity you have down there, the better off that yeah, area fights, is going to be. It fights that perception. The, and visually, you know, from a social media standpoint too, the more it's posted and the more it's shown, the more you combat that perception. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the wheel is huge. You know, that, just as a symbol for St. Louis, just having that other thing that isn't just the arch all the time right, yeah. on our skyline that's interesting, that draws the eye over and out of that you know straight waterfront area. I think that's really good. and It's just going to keep drawing more stuff that direction. Um, so then Mark McDonald says, having stuff to do downtown, there's a reason Ballpark Village was cru- crucial to Bush. The wheel is down the street, yet there's always more stuff that could be added to game days to get people downtown. I'd love to see food trucks down on Olive as a pregame street for uh, street fair and such. So, and we kind of talked about yeah, that. You I know, mean, um, honestly, personally, I'd rather have it down like Market and Chestnut. That's, versus having like a designated spot in the plaza where they can pull in. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of what I mean. I feel like either side of that plaza going down yeah. uh, the street there would be really good. And again, as much of that area that you can block off would be beneficial to me, but uh, you know, it's not my money. It's not my, uh, <laughs> not my thing. So um, clean coal, uh, which is flow, Floto Life, F-L-O-T-O-L-I-F-E. Uh, similar to what Stuart Holkren said, I think the row houses, similar style multifamily units, are a great way to enter, increase diversity in the housing type, which is important for the health of local rent market. Additionally, it's easy to make it, mix in pedestrian-scale commercial retail food options. Uh, developers like and want to build big apartment complexes, which have their place, but are often too big for the area. Aside from that, give me two to three story buildings, wide sidewalks on narrow streets, big trees and protected bike lanes. Mm-hmm. Um, and realistically, I would love to see that through all of downtown. Yeah. There's not enough traffic that goes through our downtown that needs to have the width of streets. We have, you could roll like four tanks straight across down market street. Yeah. And there's no need for it. Like there what really is, is a, uh, what, what is Tucker like eight, nine lanes? Yeah. Going, going north, south. And it, I mean, Tucker kind of makes sense at least now because it's kind of that connection to the belt line, to the mm-hmm. Stan Musial bridge. And it, it gives you that connection to, um, towards Soulard, not necessarily to Soulard, but it kind of gives you that connection to the South city, uh, South part of the, the city there. So I kind of get that one interchange, but I, I don't see why market has to be that big. It just doesn't make sense. So, thinning that street out, adding more sidewalk, adding more walkable area, but just all of that downtown area, getting more housing and, and making it more walkable, bikeable, um, making it so people can, can get around without having to drive. Uh, and thus then kind of pushing that reliance on public transit and those types right. of things, making it not only more viable, but you know, it just makes it makes more sense uh, logically. So I think that would be great. Um, so then uh, Coach Smitty, who uh, jumped in on quite a few of our things, two words, parking lots. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I prefer Chicago Wrigleyville versus the St. Louis uh, Ballpark Village. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, rows of bars, outdoor patios, restaurants making its way up to the stadium. Love how the restaurants have garage doors that open up. The flow right to the sidewalk. Lots of people and energy. 
I said, ooh, I like the garage door idea. Do you think St. Louis will come and stay downtown the same way that people come out to Wrigleyville? Uh, does winning or losing change how St. Louis parties before or after? Uh, Smitty says, I don't, uh, doesn't ITAP and Soulard have a garage that opens up to a patio? I think they do. Um, but lots of restaurants even uh, open, open uh, if you're eating or drinking. Um, the patio still has an outdoor feel, so you don't feel trapped inside. Well, and... You know, if we think about, we, we touched on like multiple sports playing on the same day. Mm-hmm. I mean, a whole event. So you get the the crowd before the Cardinals game. And then when they're at the Cardinals game, you get the crowd for the MLS game. And then when they're at the MLS game, the crowd from the Cardinals game is coming back. And then when the MLS game is over, that crowd is coming back. And you get all those different groups in the same place. It's It would just be a, uh, God, like a hot mess of St. Louis sports fans, but... It would be the busiest of that area has been outside of the when we won the Stanley Cup. And I think it could kind of bring that Stanley Cup feeling maybe more to a daily type of thing in St. Louis. You know, yeah. you have those big sports weekends where then every radio station is making a big deal of, mm-hmm. you know, St. Louis sports weekend. Everything is happening this weekend come hang out, come do this. Every radio station is live broadcasting. Everyone's doing, you know, spots here, spots there, drawing people in. This person's at Fitzpatrick's, that person's at, yeah. you know, Union Station. And we're just just hopping around. St. Louis has a hard-on for St. Louis. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think, I think that's 100% true. Um, cool. So then... Um, uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron says, uh, hotels to stay and activities to do in the area. Downtown West still lacks some of the bars, restaurants, shops, and attractions downtown business district has. Union Station is a good start, but there needs to be more built up on the north and the west. Uh, and so I asked him, do you see that development happening in the next few years? Do you think people will wait to see how the team is uh, received? Baker says he thinks that um, because of Taylor and Kavanaugh, the investment's already coming. Um, and that he thinks it will build up quickly. Yeah. I mean, are there two better names in St. Louis to stamp on a project right now? I mean, I don't, I don't think so. Not, you know, resource capital wise. I think those two are, are definitely going to be the top. Um, but so to that point, and I asked somebody else this question, uh, and I'll try and pull up their response cause they did respond back. Um, but what types of bars and things are you hoping to see spring up around the area? Concert venues. Really? Uh, there are, for as strong as the music local band scene is in the St. Louis area, there aren't many places, at least from where I'm sitting, to go play. Uh, and the ones we do have are just kind of scattered somewhat randomly around the city. And it's... Uh, getting to the kind of volume helps create security thing. I think that's played into the, the kind of, uh, excuse me, into the kind of poor reputation that St. Louis has developed for like small time touring bands. Cause it seems like every other month during touring concert season, we hear about a trailer getting stolen or a band's gear getting swiped. Uh, and if say we can take a page away from like Nashville who have this, Big main drive right through the heart of the city, both signs lined with bars that run two, three stories deep. Each separate bar has a DJ or a stage for a live band or a karaoke night. Uh, 
Like fans can go from Predator games or walk across the bridge on the footpath yeah. from Titans games. And they're right there. And they can just be like, oh, that band sounds good. We're going to go to this bar. I like the sound of that, DJ. Let's go to this club. Yeah, it's uh, it's perfect that you brought that up, too, because one of the things that I think came out of your group specifically, uh, Zach, was that post-game, one of the things, like, why not have a concert? Yeah. You know, or, or have something to do. And, you know, having some, some bands or, or some smaller venues out there uh, would also give you a chance to see some acts. I mean, was it Imagine Dragons when, when they first rolled through St. Louis, they played at like Firebird or, or something equivalent to that. And then the next time they came to St. Louis, they were the headlining act for a six band tour that played at Hollywood Casino. I mean, imagine coming out of like a, a 2 p.m. Saturday game and then all you have to do to go see, uh, I, I don't know, let's say the Eagles at doing a stadium tour at Bush, you're walking, what, half, three quarters yeah. of a mile? Yeah. Yeah. Or even just, just having more bars that incorporate, you yeah. know, live music versus like the club scene where you've got a DJ and there's like a 10 by 10 little area to dance or something like that. But don't hate on me. I, <laughs> uh, you know, but there's a ton of music in St. Louis and that would be a huge market to tap in. Yeah. And I think the only spot that really ever existed was Delmar. I feel like that was the only spot there was ever a bunch of small rooms. You got Blueberry Hill, you used to have Cicero's, you used to have a couple spots down on, yeah, on the five or six of them, yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, you know, has kind of died down with, with Cicero's dying and, and a couple other, you know, those types of things. But, but like yeah, f- uh Fubar's nowhere close to uh, like that, like half theater district that's kind of tucked away behind the. Well, Fubar's gone now, isn't it? It's it, a, it's it's some local shop now, I think. Jeez. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so that kind of olive um, adjacent area right there that I, I know you're talking about, which is where, um, gosh, with the fountain and and that type of stuff yeah. was. Yeah, that would have. That's and it's which not, isn't that far away from not. the stadium. That that little district isn't that far away from the stadium. I mean that that is a short Uber drive, and that district right there. I mean, I would go spend my night there. But see, that's the thing. I think that area, Schlafly, kind of northwest, and, and that's what Aaron is talking about. That's the area because there's not a lot downtown. Like there's nowhere to build downtown towards right. Bush Stadium and those types. Those are all big office buildings, big historic type buildings. Like there aren't a lot of storefronts down there, but I feel like going the other way, there's a lot of empty lots. There's a lot of... Yeah, until you run into SLU and uh, what's that, Harristow right but there. I, but I think if you can build everything to SLU, because yeah. that's where, I mean, when you get to SLU, that's where you're talking about where the fountain is and those types of things. Yeah, yeah. If you can fill that with residential and commercial, or not commercial, but, you know, the, I guess it is, you know, uh, restaurants and bars and, and those types of things, because you're going to get the college kids coming down then. So it's just extending that college area and pushing, you know, residential and, and everything else back the other direction. Yeah, if you could meet that in the middle, all of a sudden you do have that Nashville-esque, you know, kind of walkable bar scene that, you know, maybe that's what Olive becomes, you know. And I think there are lots of, you know, storefront type of places out there that that could potentially work for that. So, 
interesting ideas. Uh, we're we're becoming city planners, guys. We we started to talk about soccer support. Now we're talking about city planning. <laughs> uh, another thing, we're uh, this is the important uh, privilege we get to discuss when you do something like start a podcast. <laughs> this is the thing that happens when you get invited to something that uh, you have no real knowledge of, but they keep inviting you to it. So. Um, so, uh, Michael Hafner said the same thing, restaurants, patios, outdoor public spaces to gather, uh, and sit. It would encourage people to gather before and after games, even on non-game days. I like little touches of public art and architectural landscaping that would show the city cares. Yeah. Totally agree. I think, you know, you do some, uh, Lumiere sculpture park type of sculptures in some of those spots downtown and. Well, city, city park isn't that far from. Yeah, from this area either, and that's a very cool. Exactly, and I, well, I mean, that whole grass area down there has a lot of neat yeah. stuff in it. But I feel like you know, putting a couple more interesting structures or or art that's climbable, you know, stuff for kids, that yeah. kind of stuff, um, that would be fun. Um, Derek Tyndall said, uh, "Hate to say it, but crime, uh, less crime downtown would be better. Ban uh, crime, <laughs> ban it." Uh, Less crime uh, every night. I work downtown, and the amount of random gunfire, street racing, etc., has cost downtown a lot of income. Yeah, well, that was actually one of the things that we brought up in our group was like, just show that you're acknowledging and have, you know, a, a police presence. Not like a barricade the road, have all these checkpoints, but just like have enough people out there casually walking that you can see, you know, you turn your head to the left and right and you can see some sort of presence, you know, and, and, and show that like you understand you're taking it seriously. And then the next thing is, yeah, I thought we'd feel really uncomfortable, but there were a lot of police there. Everything was really smooth, no issues. Then you're flipping that perception. Yeah. It's, it's a, a fine line, but it's one that I think we all know that the city knows how to walk. Plenty of events happen in the downtown full range area without horrible things happening. I mean, terrible things can happen. Yeah, but I mean, uh, we had the blues uh, parties for the Stanley Cup and and those types of things. They weren't always perfectly run, but they yeah. were they were safe. You know, I I didn't. Now, had the Blues won, I wouldn't have felt safe in that park when when that was uh, <laughs> with the fence. You yeah. and I, you and I would have died. Yeah, 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 for sure. We would have. There would have been some kind of riot after the Blues won, and we would have died. But other than that, um, I feel like it, it wouldn't have been because of why everyone thinks it's scary downtown. It would have just been because of uh, drunk hockey fans. Um, Joe Chambers said, um, not having to feed parking meters, which we did talk about, would make me come and downtown and stay longer. Um, and then, you know, we talked about the Metro and um, if that would help. So, um, oh, goodness, we have five more responses. Let me see if anybody else. Uh, oh, um, Erman, Erman, E-R-N-M-A-N, said, places to kick around a ball. It'll be fun if there are always people around actually playing soccer. And that was actually, so pregame, that was one of the things we talked about is how close the training grounds are from that, you know, and uh, Ballpark Village has a little mini infield, yeah. you know, and the kids are running around or, or they'll have like a wiffle ball or something, something like that. Yeah. Um, but that was one of the things we touched on too was like, give the parents something for the kids to do. So that's the thing I was actually hoping they were going to do 
either right outside of the field because they talk about that plaza. And I think Seebeck said that plaza is basically the size of the field. So it's a good chunk of area. So they're going to do concerts and that kind of stuff up there. But I'm hoping they have like futsal courts around the area, around the stadium. Because if you have them in the, the plaza across the street or, you know, just around the stadium in general, getting kids playing futsal while, you know, everybody else is just hanging out i think that's incredibly cool or not even just kids you know people playing the game while while something is happening i think would be just a fun activity to have and and that would be a, a neat way to to interact with people um let's see uh, oh, so Derek, I actually asked him a follow-up. So um, I said, do you think the answer of less crime is more police, more investment in the area, tighter roads with larger sidewalks, more speed bumps or racing deterrents? What instills the feeling of safety? Um, no wrong answers. And he said, multifaceted, falsified, uh, wow, couldn't get that out. Multifaceted answer, in my opinion, way too long for Twitter. Uh, large police, police presence is a start for many reasons, more investment in the area as well as cleanliness. Um you know, no short answer to how it's more effective. Um, but I do think that that's interesting. Somebody else says more police. Um, somebody else says it'd be nice if the abandoned dilapidated buildings you could see from the highway got fixed up. Um, otherwise focusing on making game day feel like an event or a mini festival, which I think we've really covered, um, or partner with local places like union station and local joints for game day promos for sure. At the risk of offending, I don't know, one of our 17 listeners. Uh, A big piece that we had talked about. uh, So, I mean, Rick and I are from the county, uh, but, you know, Bomi was from that area and Curtis was from that area and one of the other guys in our group is from that area. Uh, Was like, like, this is all fine and dandy, but uh, you're going to get, you know, and Kelly and I were talking about this too. You're going to get like a hundred bucks from me on a game day. No matter like win or lose, I'm spending money down there every single time because that's the experience that I have. But the people that you need to that this needs to appeal to are the West County soccer moms, the St. Charles soccer moms, the families of four who, you know, commit to several hundred dollars. This is an event. Here's a credit card Uh, or, you know, the kids who play club soccer and want to go watch live soccer like those those are the people that are, are going to keep this going versus like, you know, we're going to buy six beers. We're going to buy six beers every game. You don't have to do anything for us. Yeah. And that's, we, we absolutely talked about it. And that was why I think the Metro is important because I feel like if you have all three, you know, soccer, baseball and hockey that's a lot of parking it's a lot of people downtown people are going to need a good way to get down there um and those are the families that you need to convince you know my boss um i work for the fuse organization um getting the fuse boys down there and getting them to stay down there and spend money that's the hard one because it's not it's not hard to get three you know uh middle-class guys in their thirties to go spend a whole bunch of money on beer. That's literally uh, every beer commercial is aimed at us. Um, but getting my boss who goes down and buys his whole family matching uniforms or, um, you know, those types of things, those are the people that, yeah. that they need to really sell. They're not, they're not going to make that much off of me cause I won't fit in the Jersey. Um, and so then the last 
comment that I don't think we've covered is uh, Soccer Cool, S-O-C-R-K-E-W-L, said, uh, yes, everything has to be an easy walk to the stadium. Think of kids running around in a summer evening. I walked around the stadium two weeks ago and immediately thought, this doesn't feel family friendly. Where can I get a beer? What hotel would I stay in? Where does the SG march from? So, again, lots of questions that mm-hmm. we don't have good answers for, but I think they are definitely things that city is thinking about and that's i think the the biggest takeaway from all of this is that we didn't bring up a lot they hadn't really thought about yeah um a lot of the things we talked about they oh yeah we talked about this but not that way or you know this that or the other thing but there is a lot of thought being put into this the the, i think the the takeaway here is that there is a ton of thought going into what they're doing game day wise and and what they're trying to build fan experience wise um, so, um, if you have thoughts, you know, obviously Seabeck listens to this. We're, we're not the only thing he listens to get in on the Twitter polls that they're throwing out. If you want to get your voice in, um, interact with the team, they interact pretty well, uh, on social media. Now in the very beginning, it was a little bit worse, but I feel like now they've really kind of gotten it down to a science. Um, you know, I, I just think that if you want to get involved, whether you're at the fan council experiences or not, I feel like you have just as much of a voice going on Twitter as you do um, going there. And I, I don't think that we covered anything that people on the internet didn't when we threw it out. And I don't think they really got a whole heck of a lot that we didn't cover. I feel like, yeah. you know, the, the things that we talked about are very much the things that came up in this kind of Twitter uh, experiment of just throwing that question out. So, um, so what was our you had mentioned a question um, earlier that we were going to throw out as our kind of leaving question, and I do not remember what it is. Uh, oh yeah, I'm getting getting full blinks from Sam. Uh, uh, God, it was really good, and then we had a conversation like, no, we need to save that for when we're recording. Uh, I, f- <laughs> fuck, man, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We'll we'll think of a question. We'll throw it up on Twitter um, eventually. And uh, we'll come back around to it. Um, but uh, anything else you guys want to add? Anything we didn't really cover fan experience wise or uh, just other random stuff? No, I just uh, I want to both say thank you for anyone who's still listening this long. And also, I'm sorry for anyone who's still listening this long. Yeah, we our goal was 45 minutes and we just had a lot to talk about. Um, and. So uh, I do apologize. We're trying to keep them shorter. Um, but, you know, maybe it'll be two drives instead of one drive. <laughs> uh, Rick, anything else you want to add? Uh, not now as we reach 97 minutes. <laughs> Thanks for, well, I mean, 15 of that minutes will get cut. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah. And then there were the dogs. Yeah. I had to go fix the dogs and, and uh, a couple other things. your dogs. Act. Right. Yeah. The worst. Uh, I, I just assumed they were up and then, then they weren't. Um, cool. So, um, that's it for us then. Uh, we are show up, make noise. My name is Zach. I'm Rick. I'm still Sam. Cool. Uh, we will talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. I also just noticed he's got his, uh,
BLM Forward Madison kit on? Yeah, that is a sharp looking kit. What are you at about a one to one uh, Luligan to Forward Madison jersey ratio I, at this point? I am getting very, very close. Yeah, dangerously close. Yeah, are you yeah. going one for every day of the week? Um, I might be there because I bought the Pride kit. It just hasn't gotten here yet. So I have original uh, kit of the year, pink and black. I have the drip kit. I have this kit. Uh, I have the Pride kit. Do I have it? No, I have a plastics kit, so I don't have. I need one more to. But they are. They're coming out with another one literally tomorrow night. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'll be up to five by the end of the week. <laughs> don't you have the away kit too? You've got the white one. I don't think I have the white one. Oh, I thought you had the white one. No, I who got, has the white one? I because I just saw it the other day. I don't know, Jake. Maybe. Maybe I don't. St. Louis has an unusual amount of Mingo. I mean, going on here. They've come here to play twice, and they're just great. Like their yeah. marketing is just amazing. All right.